Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my wife is back there watching all of your babies, so we might be done as a family expanding. <laughs> because, uh, you know, our youngest is six, and when you get away from that baby phase and then suddenly you're thrust back into it again, you remember what it's like uh, having babies. <laughs> so, um, the business meeting was awesome on Sunday night. Uh, I think it was the best one this year. Thank you, you got that joke. You didn't get the last joke, but you got that one. So, so far I'm batting 50-50, so I feel like we're at a good place this morning. Uh, but genuinely, you know, there's so many things the Lord has on my heart, on Sharon's heart for our community uh, that I'm unbelievably excited about. And it's awesome to come together with those of you who are members here with us at Bethel. You've officially made this your church home. It matters to us to get to hear from you and for you to hear from us. And so thank you for coming out to be a part of that. So you know this morning we are in the fourth E of our mission statement, right? Three weeks ago I taught on exalting the Lord, uh, and then a couple of weeks ago I taught right, on what was the next one after that, encouraging each other. And then last week I taught in equipping, right, and how it's not the role of leadership to do all of the work of the ministry, but the role of leadership in the church is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And this week is on evangelism. And so I need you to know this message is important to me, and so I've, I've split it. I'm actually doing two weeks on evangelism. This week, we're going to talk about the biblical understanding and importance of evangelism, and next week, we're going to talk about ways we evangelize, because we're all different, right? We have different upbringings, different personality styles, different giftings, and so a lot of us will evangelize in different ways. Um, if you are around my wife and I much, you know we are very different. My wife's model and manner of evangelism and mine are different because of what the Lord has done in us, to us, and through us. And so that's gonna be our focus next week. But let's look at that fourth E, right, that's in our mission statement. And it says to evangelize, attracting and leading the unsaved to Christ through evangelism. Right, that fourth E, right, evangelize, means attracting and leading the unsaved to Christ through evangelism. And this is really, really big for us, church, right? And I think initially we need to understand what evangelism is. Um, because I think at times, like, people put um, kind of like a, a weird or a wrong emphasis on evangelism. I personally genuinely believe evangelism in its purest form is worship. It's worship, right? I'm 17 going on 18 years married. I'm crazy about my wife, and so when I meet someone who doesn't know my wife, because I'm crazy about her, I will say to them, oh, you've got to meet my wife, right? You've got to get to know Sharon, right? That's what we're doing with evangelism. We are taking people that don't know the Lord, and those of us who know him well are introducing them to him, right? It's a manner of worship unto the Lord, right? Christ's sacrifice wasn't just 
to get me out of the fiery gates of hell. Christ's sacrifice was for so much more, right? He left his place at the right hand of the Father and came down here and laid it all down for me so that I wouldn't have to go through what he went through. Why wouldn't I then want to tell others about him? Why wouldn't I want to make him known every opportunity I get, right? And, and there are times when people are, are worried or concerned when they go to witness to someone about how that person is gonna respond. Listen, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you will be hated. Listen, the world, 1 John 5 tells us, the world is under the control of Satan, Right, Satan does not want the gospel to spread. That's why even good news stations don't ever say a lot of positive things about the church. Why? Because all of that media, all of that stuff that's being pumped out is under the control of the enemy. Right, that's why when you see a church leader fall, it's all over national news. Why? Because he wants to belittle and downgrade the body of Christ. Right, that's why you see so much of that being uh, spread. You see all the deconstruction stuff that's going on right now where people are, are leading others to question everything about the Bible. It's because the enemy knows the day and hour is drawing closer and closer and closer. And he will do everything he can to dissuade people from entering into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But that's where we come in. That's where our witness makes a difference, right? And if you look in the Greek language, right, because the New Testament was written in Greek and translated from Greek. If you look at evangelism, if you look at an evangelist in the New Testament, right, in that Greek language, it means an official messenger of salvation. And this is important for us to remember, right? I'm just a messenger. I don't actually lead anyone to salvation, I share the message of salvation and then people choose to enter salvation with Christ, right? I preach the kingdom and someone else chooses to become a part of the kingdom. I'm not anyone's Superman, right? The only savior is Jesus. And it's so important for us to remember that because so many people get this like savior complex when it comes to the gospel and when it comes to witnessing and sharing and they think they have to push and push and push someone else into the kingdom of God. Listen, anything you argue someone into, someone else can argue them out of. Right? But a person with an argument will never change the mind of a person with an experience. I've experienced experienced the greatness of God. I've experienced the wonder-working power of Christ. Someone who comes along and attempts to deconstruct that will never take apart my house because it's built on a firm foundation. Years ago, when I was at the outpouring in Pensacola, uh, one of the leaders there, Dr. Michael Brown, he had, was having a home built there because he and his wife had come down from New York. And he was having a home built, and you know, Pensacola is prone to hurricanes, and so he was having a home built that would be, quote unquote, safe, safe from hurricanes. And one day, uh, the inspector called him in and said to him, you need to know 
The company that you've hired to build your home is not building it adequately. And Dr. Brown was like, uh, like, what do you mean? And the guy said, I'll show you. And he took him into his home and he said, this is supposed to be a hurricane-proof wall. This wall in your home is supposed to withstand 150-mile-an-hour winds. And the guy took his hands and started pushing on it. And as he pushed it, the wall began to tip. And he said to Dr. Brown, this is not built appropriately on the foundation. And they ended up having to scrap and start all over again. Why? Because from the very beginning, it was being built on a faulty foundation. From the very beginning, everything that was going up was going up wrong, right? As your pastor, you will never hear me lead someone to a personal relationship with Jesus just as a get-out-of-hell-free card because you're building on a wrong foundation, right? That's, that's like a guy dating a girl because she's not the hottest girl, but she's not the ugliest girl. And so he's just going to settle so he's not alone anymore. That's not love. That's not love, right? The very reason that he's making that choice is not a good one, right? We don't just witness to people from over what they're getting saved out of. We witness to them over the greatness of what they're entering into. Because if we don't, then when they come into difficult times or struggle or trial, they often fall away. That's why you see so many people get saved and have an altar experience, but three or four months down the road, where are they? The churches of America should be packed with people. Packed, because we've had so many come to the altars and get saved. But they're not there. Why? Because all of that that was done, a lot of it was built on a faulty foundation. They didn't have anything to stand on when it came time to stand. And so it's important for us as a body of believers, when we're witnessing to people, when we're sharing the gospel, when we're ministering on behalf of the kingdom, to remember we're leading people into the most amazing, loving, caring relationship they will ever have. That's what we're bringing people into. That's what, like for us as evangelists, for those that are sharing the gospel, we're official messengers of that. We're, we're leading them in to that relationship. C.S. Lewis once said, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men to Christ. That's a bold statement. It's a bold statement for C.S. Lewis to say something like that, that that's the reason that the church exists, is to draw men to Christ. But for us, that should be a large reason of why we are outdoing what we are outdoing. I talked about it last week with equipping, right? If, if you're expecting me as your pastor to do all of the work of the ministry, we're missing something. I shared this with, with Teresa this week, sitting in our offices together. Unfortunately, church family, much of the Western world church as we know it is more original Testament than it is New Testament. Right in the original testament, one man, Moses, passed through the people's tents and they came out to the front of their tents. And one man, Moses, went into the presence of God and got a word from God and came back out. And all of the people made sacrifice for their sin, gave their offerings, and went back to their tents. 
That's original testament. In the New Testament, everyone in the church is a part and doing their work on behalf of God out in the city, out in the streets, out onto the uttermost ends of the earth so that even when the fear of God falls in the corporate gathering, what does it say? Numbers were added daily. Well, how were numbers added daily unless everyone that was a part of that community was out every day witnessing in their workplaces and in their neighborhoods and on the streets to the people around them and leading them to salvation and then they were coming together in the church. It's not easy to do that, but it's worth it. That's the kind of church Jesus is coming back for. Right, that's the kind of church that's gonna make the Jewish people jealous to where they eventually reclaim Christ as theirs. It's not gonna be a church where a handful of people are doing 99% of of the work and the ministry. It's gonna be a church where 99% of the people are doing 99% of the work and the ministry. And God is on the move all over the place. And the power of God is being made known all over the place. And people's lives are being touched and changed all over the place. And all of that is happening because people have really fallen in love with Jesus. Because people have really come to know him in such a powerful way. And so this morning I have three simple points, right, on why evangelize. Right, three simple points because I'm believing if you're in this room today, there's probably a solid chance you are already a believer and if you're not, I hope and pray today you will make that choice in your life to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus, right? But if you're in this room and you're already a believer, I wanna lay this challenge out this week so that next week we can build on it. Why evangelize? Number one, because God doesn't want people to be lost. God does not want people to be lost. And he makes it abundantly clear in scripture that he does not want people to be lost. Right, Second Peter chapter three. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Lord doesn't want one to be lost. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And so he's slow. That's why he hasn't come back yet. It's because the ends of the earth haven't met him yet. I've been places where the gospel has not been preached yet. Let's look at verse 15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. God's patience means salvation. The fact that the Lord hasn't allowed Jesus to come back yet means he is allowing more people to be reached because he doesn't want any to be lost. But in the end, God won't force himself on us, right? The Lord allows us to choose to come into relationship with him. But people can't make that choice if they've not heard. And it's on us that know him to be the ones that share so that others hear. Years ago, when I was in high school, and that was years ago now, not as long as it was for some of you, but for others, it was a long time ago. Years ago, when I was in high school, we had a a youth pastor that just loved the Lord, was a revivalist at heart, 
an amazing leader, and he would do discipleship and and training and meeting and, and leading with those of us in our youth ministry that were hungry for the Lord. But he started a series in our youth on Wednesday nights. In our youth group, when I grew up, we had about 100 that were a part of our youth ministry, so we were fairly large in St. Louis. And he started a series on evangelism. And the first week he taught on why we should share the gospel and laid out the foundation, like why you, why you witness to people, why you share the gospel. And then in the second week, he taught about the power of prayer for evangelism. And he shared in that week, you know, pick someone and pray over that person and ask the Lord to, to give you the strength, to give you the words to witness to that person. And that week, he had this big uh, archery, like uh, Olympic bullseye that he brought into the room, right? You know, you know how it is, like the red and then the blue and then the yellow, right? And the big rings go around and they're like, like this big and this archery, field archery targets. And he brought it in and he said, if you want to, if the Lord gives you a name in prayer today and you want to say, I'm going to witness to that person in the next 30 days. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to share the gospel with them. He said, I want you to take their name and write it on a slip of paper and start outside that bullseye in the, in the exterior. And when you witness to them, you can move them into the first ring, right? If, if they you know, engage you in conversation and, and are open to a, a more, then you can move them to the second ring. If you lead them in prayer, right? and they accept the Lord in their life, then you can move them to the center of the bullseye. And he kept that target up there. And, and over the course of the next few weeks as he taught on evangelism in our youth service, we saw like some names get moved from, from the outside you know, into, the, into that next ring, and we saw a few names make it all the way to the bullseye. But after four Wednesdays, and, and please remember, our youth pastor was very bold. This was the 90s, right, when a lot of things that are now illegal in church were <laughs> regular back then. <laughs> That's why churches now hire lawyers because of moments like what I'm about to share with you. <laughs> but he was, he was bold. And, and after that fourth week, he came in and he had a little table like this and he set it in the room and he put a bowl in it on top of that table. And as he taught that week on hell and what hell is like, what we didn't realize was inside that bowl, he had sticks and stuff that he had covered with, with gasoline, and he lit it. And then he went over and started plucking names off the outside of that circle and calling them by name and saying, I'm so sorry, no one here was willing to share the gospel with you. Go to hell. And dropped it in that bowl. Let me tell you, it was so shocking and so startling that kids in our youth group started like, like weeping because they were the one that had put that name up there, feeling like they had been led by the Lord in prayer to proclaim that person, and then never going any further with sharing the power of the Lord with that person. That night, there were kids all over that room weeping, crying. There were kids calling out the, the names of some of those kids. No, no, not them, not them. It was so impactful that 30 years later in my life, I still remember it. Our youth pastor got in a ton of trouble for it. I think if I remember it, my dad was still on the board of our church at that time. And so I heard behind closed doors what it was like in the board meeting to find out that he had opened a fire inside the church, you know, facility. 
But I remember so many of those kids in that, in that youth, like that night were so impacted that over the next couple of weeks, the attendance of our youth ministry went way up because they were so touched, so impacted by that. They went out and actually began to share with those friends that they had said they would share with. Because they realized in that moment, their hearts were gripped that there is a level and measure of responsibility we bear to make him known. There's a weight that's been put on us to make him known. And that's my second point this morning, right? Why evangelize? Because Jesus called us to. We evangelize because Jesus, literally he commissioned us to go onto the uttermost ends of the earth and share the gospel, right? I have two different scriptures for you out of Matthew, right? The first one is Matthew 9. Right, Jesus went through all the towns and villages preaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Right, Jesus proclaimed the kingdom. Jesus modeled for us what to do, right? Teach, proclaim, heal, right? Put it all together in a package. He modeled it for us for years and then he called us to go do it. Right, Matthew chapter 28 Matthew chapter 28 says, right, that the Lord called us, right? He commissioned us to go out and do this. Put that verse up for us, would you? Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? Jesus has all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Lord commissioned us to go out and share the gospel. I have a young lady that came out of our church in in Jacksonville, Rachel. Rachel is in the nation of Angola in Africa currently preaching the gospel. Do you know that the Angolan people have, where she's at, have no written dialect? They literally don't, as a people group, have a written language. So the only way the gospel is spread is by someone telling them. You can't go into an area and give out Bibles because they can't read. They don't have a written language. The only way they get the gospel is through word of mouth. And so Rachel and her husband go into these hard to reach areas in Angola, areas that look like a barren wasteland, and they find these villages of people and they sit with them for days sharing the gospel. Because they can't just go in and jump into the story of Jesus Because then those people will add him just like all the other gods of nature and the stars and all these things they worship. No, no, no. They have to start at the beginning with Genesis and walk this whole village through the gospel. I got to sit with some of our missionaries in Africa and Zambia. You you met them last month, JJ and Jane Marie, as they went out into villages and did this. I got to sit and hear firsthand as they would take three or four hours with one home 
starting in Genesis and sharing the full gospel story up to the sacrifice and resurrection of Christ. It's amazing. It's amazing to see. But church family, the Lord is not coming back until it's done. He's not coming back until every language, tribe, and tongue have heard the gospel. Right, so for those of us in America that have the gospel in abundance in our life, right, there are so many of us that have so much gospel that at times we actually take it for granted. Where other places don't have any and they're longing for it, they're hungry for it. The Lord's not coming back until they get to hear, but they won't hear unless we go. I've been a few places around the world and met people that the Lord manifest himself to them. It's amazing when I hear stories of that. I've had it in India, in Haiti, different places where I've been, where you sit down with someone and say, how, how, did, you, how did you come to salvation? And they would say, Jesus showed up to me and led me to himself. And I'm like, wow, right? But that's so rare. Most of them, when I meet them and say, how did you come to salvation? They say someone else came and shared the good news of Jesus with me. The good news of God's patience. The good news of the Holy Spirit with me. And now I believe. And for us, right, we're largely living now in a post-Christian nation. There are people being born now here in America that aren't being raised up in the gospel. They're not being raised up. I, I, I met a guy um, a couple of months ago named Noah. And I said, oh man, you know your name's in the Bible? And he's like, what? And I was like, did you know your name's in the Bible? And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, your name, your name is like in the, and he was like, he had zero idea. And so I started sharing, he's like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, no one had ever shared with him, right? And I was like, this is America. And he's never heard. Right, we have to be those that are going out and sharing that good news. And in the end, they might not accept the Lord. In the end, they might not get saved. Again, it's not up to me to bring them salvation. It's up to me to preach the gospel. And as a spirit-filled believer, there should be an even greater weight in me of understanding that. Right, because I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in me. There should be a deeper and greater burden in my heart to reach the lost. Because I realize everything Jesus did, he did by the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that was in him was in me. And what did Jesus say? Everything I've done, you will do and more. Right, so if Jesus preached the kingdom, I can preach the kingdom. If Jesus preached the kingdom and had signs and wonders, that means I can preach the kingdom and have signs and wonders because Jesus said I would. He said that I would. Everything he did, I would do and more. I want to get to that place. And that leads me to my third point this morning, right? We evangelize and it shows people the power of God. Our evangelism should show people the power of God. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. 
right? Not just receive power so that I can keep sitting in church in power. No, no, no. I receive power so I can be a witness unto the uttermost ends of the earth. That's why I have power in my life. Because listen, I can sit in church every week and have the gift of healing. And if I don't actually do anything with it, I'm just literally sitting there like an unused outlet full of power doing nothing. Right? There's a whole bunch of outlets in this room that have power right now, and because nothing's plugged into them, that power in that outlet is largely useless. But oh, when you plug in, what happens? That power then begins to what? Be manifest, be made known to do what? To provide for the need of the thing in which you've plugged in. I want to get plugged in. I want power, not just so that I have power in my life. I want power so that when I tell someone about how awesome God is and they're unsure, I can pray with them and they can feel the same power of the same living God and the same Holy Spirit that I have. That's what I want in my life. I can't tell you how many times in witnessing, and I'll share a lot of testimonies and stories next week with different examples but I can't tell you how many times I've seen the greatness of God be made known when I'm witnessing to someone because genuinely their heart is open to encounter God and God wants to show himself to them. He wants himself to be made known that way. Right, Romans chapter one and verse 16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel itself comes with power. That's why someone who used to be a pot-smoking, alcoholic, sex addict can now be sitting in church every week, radically, totally, wholly set free from all of that. Why? Because they met salvation and they got power and they left behind all of that stuff and entered into something wonderful that was worth being in a relationship with and now they don't want any of that anymore because it pales in comparison. That's the power. That power isn't just to sit back and twiddle our thumbs. That power is there to radically, wholly, totally change lives and families and generations. I'm a multi-generation, spirit-filled believer because way back in my family somewhere, someone radically met the Lord and as the generations were born in, that meant so much to us as a family that every one of us saw what God had done for the ones that had gone before and we wanted that in our lives. Most of my cousins on my dad's side of the family are in full-time ministry in some way. Because within my generation, there's a hunger for God. I've got nieces and nephews that have been all over the world preaching the gospel in their teens. My daughter is begging me to take her to the uttermost ends of the earth to share the gospel at 10 years old. Why? Because she knows what's in her is alive and living and worth something. She got her report card 
last week and was so upset. Not over math, not over science, not over music, not over history. She was upset because she got a B in Bible. She came to me, she said, Dad, this is unacceptable. I got a B in Bible, and I'm, you're a pastor. Dad, I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get that B up to an A. And I was like, baby, you got a B. She's like, no, Dad, it's not good enough. She's like, I want an A in Bible. At 10 years old, there's something alive in her that she knows that what's in that class holds a greater value in many ways to what's in other classes. And she doesn't want to fall behind in that because she understands and realizes that there's something greater there. That's what I want for us Listen, look at Matthew 24. As we draw near the return of the Lord, it's not going to get easier, church family. It's only going to get more difficult. Jesus himself said, the love of most will grow cold. I need you to understand, biblically, scripturally, it's not a numbers game to God, to Jesus. It's never been a numbers game. Right? You look at numbers in Scripture. The Lord never focuses on numbers when it comes to his kingdom for souls. The Lord focuses on numbers to impact people. But Jesus regularly left large crowds to go focus on one here or one there. Jesus said, narrow is the way and few are those who find it. Right, Jesus, in, in telling the parable of the ten virgins, half of them didn't make it. And they were all virgins. Do you ever think about that? They were all virgins. <laughs> but half of them weren't what? They weren't prepared. They didn't have oil in their lamp. They weren't a readied people at the midnight cry. Our churches are Filled with people who aren't readied. They've not heard the full truth of the gospel in a way that actually changes their life. They're not entering into personal relationship with the Lord in a way that changes their life. And because of that, the day is coming when the Lord parts heaven to come down and take us and people are going to be shocked when they realize, oh my gosh, I wasn't a readied person. And they weren't readied because it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. That's how we become a readied people because we are so, listen, you talk much about the things you love much. Right? I've had more conversations with Larry about wrestling than I have anyone since I was 10 years old watching the WWE. Right? Like, he enjoys wrestling, college wrestling. It's great. I'm happy for him. Right? What he's talking about. I got tickets to this. Oh, I'm so excited. We're going. We're going to watch that. I'm like, cool. Right? It's not something I care about. But the NFL, that's something I care about. I can give you stats of guys who don't even play on the team I love. And it's because I just follow the sport. Why? Because it's something that has a passion. The outdoors for me. I talk often of of hunting and fishing because those things are passions. All of that pales to me in comparison to the Lord. Pales in comparison. 
Friday this week, my heart was so like just vibrating with the Lord all day. Friday is my Sabbath. It's a, it's a day that I just usually spend on resting and, and reading the word and, and reading teaching and stuff like that. And then I come into Friday night prayer. And by the time I finished Friday, my wife will tell you, by nine o'clock, I was like, I was so tired. I left after our mealtime together and I went home and just went to bed. And my wife was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, but I'm tired. And she's like, why? And I said, because today's just been one of those days God's been pulling on my heartstrings. Like I just feel this like intensity of the Lord all day long. And it's because I'm in love with the Lord. I'm in love with him. I want this church to be filled with souls, not so that I can walk around in town and be like, hey, Bethel's packed on Sundays. You should check it out. I despise the thought of that. I want this place to be filled with the Lord when the presence of God and people's lives being touched and changed because God's here, because people want to be where God is. I want miracles and things like that taking place in the foyer and in the hallways to where it's not even about what happens on this stage, but when we're operating as the body of Christ, people's lives are being touched and changed. That's what I long for. Years ago, I saw glimpses of that. A friend of mine, a worship leader out of Austin, Texas, I, I literally ran into him in, a, in the airport in Nashville. We were crossing paths. I was coming back from doing ministry. He was headed to Kentucky doing ministry, and he's like, hey, man, do you want to jump in with us and, and go? And I was like, yeah, I would love that. And so I called Sharon, and I said, hey, do you mind if I jump in with, with the guys? I knew them really well. And she was like, no, go for it. And, and we went into this, what we thought was going to be a, a couple of days of ministry in, in this little town in Kentucky, but the Lord showed up in such an intense and heavy and amazing way. I've encountered it a handful of times in my life. But those meetings in that little church, they, like the glory cloud was coming in the room. And, and, and people were being healed during the worship service. And, and people were coming up to me because uh, the pastor had asked me to preach. And people would come up to me and say, um, hey, the Lord just healed me of this during worship. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And it was just like one after another. It was just testimonies of people being touched by the Lord. And what was gonna be one or two services ended up going for, a, for days. And people every night, we just kept saying, we're just gonna come back tomorrow night if you wanna come back. And people just kept coming back. And the room just kept being filled with people. And after a number of days, the pastor of the church said to us, there's a local minister's meeting that I attend. Would you guys like to go? It's tomorrow morning. We said, sure, we'll go with you. We went to that meeting. There was like 17 or 18 churches represented. And as we came in, different pastors were coming up to us. Are you guys the ones at, at, at that church? And we were like, yeah, church family. As we started sharing around that room, every one of those pastors in that room had a testimony of someone they knew in the community who had been either saved or healed out of those meetings that we were a part of. It had not only touched the church we were at, but it had touched every other church in that ministry network. It was awesome. And that was like a glimpse. That was like a, a piece of the awesomeness of God. That's what I long for, right? That's what like electrifies my heart. 
And I don't want it to just be about this place and people coming in here. I want it to be that there's so much going on out there that when people come in here, they've already been healed and they've already been saved and they've already been impacted and now we're just coming together to lift up the name of the Lord and worship God. That's what I long for. But that won't happen without evangelism. That won't happen without us stepping out and being those witnesses to the awesomeness of God, to the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when the Apostle Paul was writing the church at Corinth, what did he say? Right in verse 1, it says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul himself, right? The greatest human being in the New Testament besides Jesus. Paul himself said, listen, I didn't come with fancy preaching. I didn't come with like good words. I came with a demonstration of God so that, so that you as a believer wouldn't rest on me, you would rest on God. And that's what we, as the body of Christ, have got to get to. We've got to get to the place where people aren't resting and relying on us, where we introduce them to the Lord, and they want to be in the Word of God. They want to be listening to worship music to grow themselves. They want all of those things because they've met that power, and it has changed their life. And now, they're leaning into the Lord to grow up and be who God wants them to be. And it's gonna be different. It's gonna be different, right? I'm different than other people in this room. That's become clearly obvious to some of you in the last two months. You're like, Matt says all the time, you're different than I am. I'm like, I am different than you are, Matt. <laughs> but I love Matt for who Matt is. Matt will reach people I won't reach, right? Matt's like wisdom and understanding probably far surpasses mine. And there are ways he will be able to share. Like I, I sat uh, some time under a, a former leader at NASA who's written books about like how the stars and space and mathematics points to God. I didn't understand 2% of what he wrote. But there were other people in the scientific world that were getting radically saved because of what his was writing because they were like, wow, I see it. I know it to be true now, right? He reached people I couldn't reach but he did it showing them the power of God in creation. He did it showing them the awesomeness of God. It wasn't just solely in his testimony anymore. It was on something greater in the Lord. And that's how it has to be for us. Because listen, in the end, we're all working together. Right? In the end, it can't be on any one of us. The, the Lord makes it really clear right? We share the message, God gets the reward. And it's so important for us to remember that, right? We're sharing the gospel message. We're sharing the truth of the kingdom. The Lord gets the reward. All the glory goes to him, right? When someone's name is written 
in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. It's not written in Pharaoh's book of life, right? It's not written in Linda's book of life. It's written in the Lamb's book of life, right? That name is written in the book that Jesus made possible. But I might share the gospel with someone, right? I might plant seed and and put good soil over it. And then Harry might come along and water it. And then someone else might come along and pluck up weeds around it by answering difficult questions someone might have so that it can grow in their life. And then someone else might come along and reap the reward of the fruit of all of that labor. Scripture tells us that's going to happen. Right? The Bible makes it clear to us. Right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the apostle Paul says that. Right? In verse 6, he says, I planted seed, Apollos watered it, God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Then the one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. Right? That's why we are co-workers in God's service, and you are God's field. Paul says, I water, right? Someone else does this, someone else does that. In the end, God gets all the glory. God gets all the reward. God gets all the honor because it's all about him. And so why do we evangelize? Right, as I'm wrapping up this morning, why do we evangelize? We evangelize because Jesus is worthy of it all. We evangelize because he doesn't want one soul to be lost, but he has commissioned us to be his witnesses unto the uttermost ends of the earth. That's why we witness, right? That's why we share the gospel. It's because Jesus is worthy of it all. And we come in here on Sundays and we sing to him that he's worthy of it all. But then at other moments, do we live out what we've been singing? When we know that someone doesn't know him, are we willing to be embarrassed? Are we willing to be maligned? Are we willing to be mocked? Are we willing to be scorned for him to be made known? Because here's the awesome thing, church family. Most of the time, you won't be maligned or mocked or scorned. That will happen on occasion. As I've been sharing the gospel, I've had everything happen you could imagine. I've been interrogated by crooked police. I've been attacked by pimps because we were trying to win over the sex trafficking victims that they oversaw. I've been, uh, like, uh, had assault attempted on me. I've had all these different things happen in the attempts to share the awesomeness of the Lord. And in every time, God has shown himself good. In every time the Lord has brought me through, in every situation he's watched out over me as a son because I've been trying to make his name known unto the uttermost ends of the earth. And there are times when it's difficult and there are other times when it's easy because there are some people that right now are so empty on the inside and they don't even know why. They're waiting for someone to come along and say to them, oh, what is going to fill that hole and void is nothing but Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit in you as your helper. You can't make it 
on your own. My youngest has a classmate that has been giving her trouble lately. It's kindergarten, right? Everyone makes trouble in kindergarten. Matt, you can come back up to the keys for me as I close. And the other day, her teacher sent her home to Sharon and I to write down all of the things that this little boy has been doing wrong to her in class so that it could be given to, to the principal at the school. And Quinn came in, and she stood very proudly in the kitchen and said to Sharon and I, I want to make a list of all the things that he's done wrong when he's, when he's pulled in my backpack and, and when he's pushed me and, and when he's cut in front of me in line. She's like, I want to list it all out. And I said, all right, Quinn, we can do that. And Sharon goes, but before we do that, Quinn, I want us to pray for him. And Quinn goes, what? <laughs> and Sharon said, before we do that, Quinn, I, wanna, I want us to pray for him. She goes, I don't want to pray for him. And I said, but Quinn, you don't know what his life at home is like. You don't know what might be happening in his house from his mom and dad or the things that might be being done to him. And Sharon said, we'll write down all the things at, at, if we pray for him first. And Quinn, and Quinn goes, no, I won't do it. I won't pray for him. I won't, I won't. And she like ran down the hall. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. And Sharon and I just looked at each other and, and smiled. Because I'm like, I feel like that's how we are a lot of times. When the Lord's like, I want you to pray for this person. I want you to share with this person. I want you to do this. And we're like, oh, Lord, but I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. When you're in the aisleway at Walmart and you pass by someone and you feel like you sense something that's happening in their life, and the Lord's like, turn around and go back and share with them. Oh, but Lord, they're a total stranger. I, I don't know if I can do that or not. Oh, I don't, I don't know. When you're, when you're in a checkout line, right? I can't tell you how many times I've been in a checkout line somewhere and I'm in a rush and there's a dozen things going through my head and I'm like trying to get to the next thing and I'm like, the, it's like me and the person behind the counter and they're ringing up and suddenly a price goes wrong on something. And they're like, oh, we have to have someone price check this or oh, we have to do that. And I'm like, oh, okay. And the Lord's like, this is a moment I created. And I'm like, shh, Jesus, shh, shh. I got places to be for the kingdom of God. Like, <laughs> we're human. The Lord knows that and he understands that. But as human as I am, that other person is human too. And I'm human having relationship with the Son of God, having the fullness of the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, are they? When I'm choosing to prioritize all this other stuff ahead of a single soul, is the Lord looking down from heaven and saying, well done, Pharaoh? Or is the Lord looking down from heaven and saying, Pharaoh, just make a little adjustment and you can see a huge return. Make a little adjustment in what I'm asking you to do in sharing the gospel right now and see that I won't answer, see that I won't move. That's why next week, 
I'm actually going to show you through Scripture in the New Testament numerous different ways that people witnessed or, or shared their faith or connected others with Jesus because we're not all the same. But we are all called to the same commission. We're all a part of the Great Commission and the Lord wants you to walk that out in the way he's gifted you and created you to walk that out. But may we never be those that run down the hall refusing to do what we know is the right thing just to preserve our thing. May we never be found as that one before the Lord in glory. Stand with me. I just want to pray over you this morning. Lord, as we've been going through the mission statement of Bethel. Lord, I believe there are things that this church does in excellence before you. Lord, with the team that we have, I believe we exalt your name. As people from this fellowship are around the front, united together, Lord, I believe your name is lifted up in this place. Lord, I believe we're so good at encouraging each other. Lord, I believe in the areas of equipping with Friday night prayer, with Wednesday night teaching, with messages on Sunday. I believe we're equipped. But Lord, I pray over all of us that you would help us to increase in the area of evangelism. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to do greater and more impactful and better when it comes to sharing the good news. Sharing a message that may literally save someone out of the fire of hell and bring them into personal relationship with you. That you would put your words in our mouth. That we would be your witnesses and we would see the power of God confirming the witness that it wouldn't just be eloquent words, it wouldn't just be talk, but we would see you touch and move and change and free the people in need around us. And so I pray over everyone today, Lord, that's here and those that are watching from home. I pray that you would begin to speak to their hearts about someone, a neighbor, a coworker, someone in their community, a family member, Lord, that sometimes the most difficult is our own family. But Lord, I pray over everyone that you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit, even right now, and you would begin to whisper in our ears about those that we could be a witness to. You would begin to whisper in our ears, Lord, and you would give us the strength, give us the words, give us the wisdom to be bold for you in our witness to see new names written in the Lamb's book of life, to see people's lives radically touched and changed, to see eternity shifted over whole families as we bear witness to you. I thank you for this day, Lord. Just lift your hands with me. I thank you for this day, Lord. And I thank you that you bless us 
I thank you, Lord, that you keep us and you watch out over us. Lord, I thank you that you make your face shine upon us. But Lord, it's not just for us that you do those things, but like Moses, Lord, you make our face shine that others would see your glory. And so I pray this week as your face shines on us, it would be a reflection that others would see and they would ask, how can you be this way? How can you act like this? How, how is it that this is who you are? And Lord, we would be able to be your witnesses because we are a blessed people. And we thank you for that blessing and the peace that comes with it that passes understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Love you all so very much. I hope that there's some seed of the Lord that was planted today. That even right now, like you're, you're thinking of someone or, or you're, you're feeling like, oh yeah, 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 like I do, I do wanna go out and, and share with this person or that person, right? Let us be those that walk out that full call of the Lord in our day-to-day life, amen? Amen, amen, awesome. Have a wonderful Sunday, love you all.